Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Y'all look so beautiful this morning. Wow, we have a nice full house this morning. Y'all look lovely. I um, am excited. I get to share with you this morning on our last Sunday together of the year. Yeah. Next time we see each other it will be 2021. Anyone looking forward to 2021? <laughs> I think we all are, right? I know I am. I'm excited to begin this new year. I, um, I wonder, I have a question that I want to ask you. I wonder how many of you um, driving through the neighborhoods where your home is have seen an increase in Christmas lights. Have you noticed that? Like, obviously noticed that? I know the past years I have kind of mentioned to Trey, complained a little bit, wow, nobody puts up Christmas lights anymore. Like, what is up with that? And this year, I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all the lights. I think because, you know, there's several reasons. Many of us are at home, right, working from home and have a little more time to work on the house. Um, I know we were gonna take a family trip to Australia this year. Um, and, you know, obviously because of COVID, that got changed. We didn't get to go visit my son over the summer. We were going to go for a Hillsong conference and spend time with him, the whole family. But instead, we painted the outside of the house. Yeah. Yeah. I don't kind of think Australia would have been a little more fun. But, um, you know, it's just things, things have been different. Things have been really different. And, uh, I have so enjoyed the Christmas lights, so I think we're just in a season where we're doing those little things, whatever we think that'll make us feel a little better, you know, make us, make us bring us a little bit of happiness. You know, you could say that I have been in a series, a joy series with the Lord. I, um, about a month ago, got together with the Flawless Ladies, and we had brunch, and my devotional was all about joy. And then I was asked to speak somewhere, and God's like, you need to talk about joy. So I wrote a whole message on joy, delivered that message, and then when I was getting ready to speak this time, God was like, you're going to do joy again. And I was like, again? And he was like, yeah, you're going to do joy again. And so I just think we can't get enough joy right now, right? I think we all need more joy. And so each time my message has morphed a little bit, it's changed a little bit, God has given me some new insight, showed me some things, and so I'm excited to share that with you this morning. Um, so before we dive in, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. What an incredible time it has been already just in your presence. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming during worship. We know that when we worship you with all of our hearts, there is fullness of joy. And so we thank you for that joy that we experienced in the room together in your presence. And God, I just ask that you would just have your way in the rest of the service today, Father, that you would speak through me, God, give me the words that you want to relay to, to these precious people, your, your sons and daughters. We thank you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I saw a meme um, several weeks ago that said, drink your pumpkin spice, put up your Christmas tree. This year has been hard. Do whatever brings you joy. And so I think that's kind of been you know, everyone's motto, is at least the several, for several months now, right? Um, we're all looking for just that little thing that can just bring us a little bit of happiness. There was a happiness report put out by Jeffrey Sachs. He's the director of the Earth Institute at Columbia University. 
And that report showed that the U.S. ranked number 15 on the happiness index and that our level of happiness since 2005 has continued to decline. And so I can only imagine what it might be now. But what's interesting is that we are one of the world's most economically richest countries, right? So you would think we would be at the top of the happiness index, um, but we're not. And, you know, in thinking about that, I was remembering several Hades trips that I had the privilege of going on. And I would say, you know, I would write Haiti at the bottom of the happiness index level. But what? Mm -hmm. um, when you think about the poverty and you think about the despair and you think about the destruction and you think about the hardship and the sickness and they don't have a way to be healthy, like their hospital system, you know, I went into their hospital system and it was just not good. Um, you would think that they would be at the very bottom of the happiness index. But when we were there and we began to show them hope and the, the joy of the Lord and we began to love on them, you just saw hope rise up inside of them and you just saw the joy of the Lord just take over in those children. And I'm talking kids that are hungry, kids that are thirsty, kids that don't have family, and they got smiles on their faces, and they are just tapping into that source of joy that we all can learn from. I will never, never forget that. Um, you know, any of you ever consider yourself to be hangry? <laughs> yeah, hungry, and you become angry. I know, I know, I fall under that category, but I just want to tell you, you can be hungry and still have the joy of the Lord. You can. I've seen it. You know, joy and happiness are two very different things. Happiness is the feeling you get when things are going well, or at least the way you think they should go, right? Um, joy, however, is that deep, deep sense of pleasure, delight, gladness, and well-being that's completely independent of our circumstances. Joy stems from the deeply rooted conviction that God not only will work all things out for our good, but inherent in joy is the sense of delight that God can cause our hearts to smile, even when things on the outside are falling apart. I love that about my God. You know, I've learned pretty well over the years how to tap into peace, you know, when things are spinning out of control and things are not going the way I think they should, or I'm finding myself in a dark place or... Um, you know, just unhappy for some reason, I've been able to really tap into peace and find my peace in the Lord. But for me, joy, I feel just takes it to a whole nother level. You know, you can walk around and, and feel the peace of God, but to actually be full of the energy of the Holy Spirit, to be full of the joy of the Lord, for me, is just a whole nother level. And that's something that I think God is still working on me in and something that he wants to mature us in because we can have the joy of the Lord in all circumstances. You know, I've heard Bible verses my whole life regarding joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You've probably heard that one, Nehemiah 8.10. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Psalms 39, I mean 35. You may have sang... If you grew up in the church, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. 
I mean, that song will put some joy in your heart, singing that over and over and over again. You know, I, have you ever sang it when you didn't have the joy? Of, I've got the joy, 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 joy. You know, it just has a little bit of a different tone to it. But um, I, we sang that a lot growing up. And uh, it, when you think about those verses and you think about those songs, have you ever thought, yeah, that sounds great, but how do I actually reach out and take a hold of joy? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to recite those verses. It's easy to sing that song, but how, when I'm not feeling it, how do I actually reach out and grab that? And so we're going to talk about that this morning. I want to invite you on a joy ride with me this morning. The title of my message is Joy Ride. So the first point this morning that I want to make is that joy requires vulnerability. Ooh. Some of us are like, ah, oh, she said the V word. I, I, I haven't really liked that word much over the years, but I've, I've grown to really come accustomed to it and embrace it. And so I want to talk about that. What is vulnerability? What is it? The classic definition means you're susceptible to physical harm or attack. This is true, but let's look at it a different way. Vulnerability is to fully feel and be present in the moment. It is being fully honest with ourselves. And until we are willing to be fully honest and fully embrace vulnerability with all its complexities, we will never encounter the fullness of joy that God has for us. So it looks like this. It looks like someone walking in for Christmas dinner with a lemon meringue pie, and they were supposed to bring pumpkin. And you already have three lemon meringue pies on the counter. And they come in with that pumpkin pie, and you throw the biggest fit, like you are just throwing a stink, and you are so upset that they chose to bring lemon meringue. They were supposed to bring pumpkin. How dare they? And vulnerability says, it's not really about the pumpkin pie. Really what's going on is you're missing that family member that's not going to make it for Christmas dinner this year. Vulnerability is being fully honest and fully present in the moment. For some of us, joy is too vulnerable of an emotion, and we sabotage we sabotage it, and we make it a foreboding joy. You know, we're willing to embrace a little bit of joy, but in the back of our mind, we're waiting for the bottom to fall out. We're waiting for something to go wrong. You know, um, for example, you could be, as a parent or an aunt or, you know, someone that works with children, when they're sleeping, that is one of the most sweetest, most beautiful times, right? To watch children sleep. It's just, they're just so peaceful, so content, and so quiet. <laughs> and, and so, you know, um, in those moments, you can find yourself dreaming about their future, feeling so blessed and so grateful at, of these beautiful gifts that God has given you, only to then shift to, oh, my God, what if one of them gets sick? What if there's an accident? What if they get strung out on drugs? Like all of a sudden, we've gone from this beautiful moment of experiencing joy and gratitude and what God has done 
to this foreboding joy of something's about to go wrong. When we should be resting in the blessings that God has given us, instead, we're troubleshooting the what-ifs in life. So rather than troubleshooting the what-ifs in life, what if we fully embrace joy in that moment? What would that look like? You know, many, many people consider vulnerability to be weakness. But was it weakness that held Christ on the cross, or was it strength? Yeah. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross was the ultimate act of vulnerability. Wouldn't you agree? I can't think of anything more vulnerable than that. Remember the two definitions that we talked about. Vulnerability, um, Jesus allowed himself to be susceptible to physical attack or harm in that moment. He held himself on the cross and was fully present. Vulnerability is not weakness, so why are we hiding it? Why are we covering it up? We tend to cover up the very areas that God wants to reveal. Not to expose us, but to deliver us. If we embrace vulnerability like Jesus, then we can find in the midst of our greatest suffering, our greatest joy. So what was the joy set before him that helped him to endure the cross? What was that joy? It was the doing of the Father's will. If you research that and look into it, he was so pleased to be about his Father's will. You know, some of my most joy-filled moments have been when I know that I am actively about my Father's will. Nothing fills me with joy like that. And so number two, joy requires obedience. I love, love, love this verse. I had to write it out and post it on my mirror because I just think it's such a beautiful, it's the passion translation, and it says this, let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Listen, our Christian walk with God should be anything but boring. If we are being obedient to Christ, we should be risking it all regularly. I'm talking risking your reputation, risking your job because you're witnessing to someone. Like, it should be anything but boring. You know, we can agree that following his commands is probably not something that comes naturally to us, right? Um, take tithing, for instance. Greg was talking to us about tithing this morning. I was thinking how years ago they said less than 20% of the church tithed. Less than 20%. I don't know what it is now. But that is one of the commands that he gives us, and he says to test him in it. And then also think about saving sex for marriage. Many of us in the church today think it's okay to not follow that one. And let me tell you, it's not. And it's for our own good, right? It's for our own good. It's a protection that he puts in place for us. Nothing depletes joy like unaddressed sin in our lives. When we are walking with God with a clear conscience, 
joy increases. You know, obedience isn't just choosing not to do the obviously wrong things that he's warned us about. It's also doing the good things that he's leading us to do. Joy is the result of righteousness. Psalms 97.11 says, Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. We get to choose. We get to choose how much joy we will have in our lives. I um, recently, you know, I was talking about obedience also is doing the good things that God tells us to do. And most of the time, that creates a vulnerability in us. You know, because you have to step out there, put yourself out there. And I had taken my mom to the emergency room. She was having some heart problems. And I honestly was not very excited about spending time in the ER. It was later in the evening. We ended up being there for five hours. And um, I was sitting there with her, and she's fine. Everything's great, just so you know. But we were sitting there, and these more and more people were coming in, and they were obviously coming in alone. Right? And a lot of them just looked really afraid and in pain or hurting or just, they just looked so afraid. And as I'm sitting there, I'm getting just full of compassion, just filled in a, in a way like I haven't experienced before of compassion for these people that were coming into the emergency room. And my mom got up and she went to the restroom and she was gone for a while. And I'm sitting there and God's prompting me to do something. And he's like, Carrie, um, I want you to announce that you're a pastor in town and that you would love the opportunity to pray for any of them that would let you. And I was like, um, what? He's like, I want you to announce that you're a pastor in town. And so I'm having this conversation with God. My mom was gone for a while. I don't know what she was doing, but... um, I'm having this conversation, and I'm like, well, can I just go over there and pray for her? I can go over, you know, I don't mind one-on-one, just going over, can I pray for you? And he's like, no, I want you to make an announcement. And I'm like, huh, what? Um, really, I can't just, uh, what if I pray for her, and then when I'm done, I look over and pray for him, and then I walk over and pray for the other one. And he's like, no, I, I want you to make an announcement. And I'm like, huh. My God. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just filling more and more and more with with compassion for these people. And I'm like, if I don't do it, I'm just not gonna do it. And so my mom comes and sit down. I don't mention it to her. And guys, I just have to tell you what the setup looks like, okay? So it's not just these people, but where I'm sitting, there's the check-in stations. There's three of them, and there's three girls checking in all these people that are coming in, and they're all looking at me. And I'm thinking all kinds of things. I'm going to get thrown out of here. It's COVID season. They're going to think I'm crazy. And so I'm like, whatever, whatever. You know, when God has just filled you so much and just like, you just got to do it. And, um, or you're just going to explode. And so finally, um, I have to tell you, this was one time I was so grateful for the mask. I was like, I got this mask on. I feel a little more comfortable. And so... (laughs) They can kind of see me, but not really. <laughs> and, and so I, um, I, I made the announcement. I said, I'm, I'm a pastor in town, and I would really love to pray for any of you if you would like me to. And I kid you not, I made eye contact with several of them, and they all shook their heads yes. And I was like, oh, my God. 
And so I got up out of my seat and went over to the first girl, and she was young in her early 20s, and she was in a lot of pain. She had an ice pack on, and she had had um, surgery, sinus surgery, and had a brain infection. And uh, I said, can I, can I lay my hands on you? And she said, yes, because that was the other thing too. You know, um, do I lay hands on them? Do I not? And God was like, does the Bible say lay hands on them unless it's COVID season? And I was like, no. And he was like, the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I was like, okay, all right, God. And so I laid hands on her, prayed for her and spent my time praying for her and just really felt God's presence. And then, you know, when God tells you to do something, you're always going to have naysayers, always. And you have to be okay with that because when God tells you to do something, he's telling you. He's not telling everyone else. And it's not going to make sense to everyone else. They're not going to understand it. When God told Peter to jump out of the boat, to come to him, I guarantee you all those disciples thought he was nuts and said, what are you thinking? You're going to die don't you dare put one foot in the water. But what did he do? He did it anyway. Like, I'm like, Peter's my hero. Even though he ended up doubting and sinking, he still jumped out of the boat. That's more than some of us have done, right? And so um, as I was finishing up with her, I look over at this man, and his wife had wanted me to pray for him really badly. And he was like, I'm good. I'm good. And then under his breath, you hear him go, <coughs> COVID, COVID, you know? And I'm like, okay, God told me to do this. And, and he's like something, he points at some guy over there. He's wanting me to, you know, not look at him. And so I go over to the other guy and, um, y'all know that I had COVID back in July. And during my time of, of speaking to the Lord during that season and, and God bringing healing to me, he told me that I was going to pray for people with COVID and that they would recover. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, that's exciting. And so I'll go over to that man and I said, what well, can I pray? Can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. And he had so much fear over him. And I said, what well, can I pray for you for? And he looked up at me and he hesitated and he didn't want to tell me. And then he said, well, I, I was diagnosed with COVID two weeks ago and I thought I was getting better, but I'm having some secondary um, symptoms and reactions. And I said, and you're very afraid. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, I had COVID back in July. And he was like, you did? And I said, yeah. And I said, I really want to pray for you. And he said, okay. And so I got to pray for him, guys. It was, and God was like, I told you, you were going to pray for people with COVID and they were going to recover. And I prayed for him. And then I went on and there was two or three other people that I got to pray for in that room. And, you know, nobody stopped me. Why? Because it was a God moment. God told me to do this and his hand was on it. And, you know, but even if, someone had told me not to, I was still obedient. You know, I did what God asked me. You know, we're not responsible. This is not part of my message, I don't know, but we're not responsible for the outcome of what God tells us to do. We're only responsible for planting the seed and obeying him in that moment and doing what he's called us to do. I think that's where we get it wrong, you know? Had someone said, you really probably need to sit down, this is, this is not a good place or whatever, um, I would have complied. And it would have been tempting to think, oh, I missed it. I missed it. God didn't tell me to do that. But we can't do that. We just have to be obedient. And we have to step out and trust that God's hand is on it. He is responsible for the outcome, not us. Joy 
um, requires obedience. My third point this morning is that joy is renewable. You know, sometimes it feels like it just shows up. You know, you're down and out one minute, and then all of a sudden, you're just feeling really great. Have you ever gone to sleep troubled, like really troubled and upset about something or worried, concerned, and then you wake up the next morning and you felt completely settled, yet your circumstances haven't changed? Either one, you needed a nap, or two, God intervened while you slept. You know, Trey and I have this thing where we can tell each other, do you you need a nap or or do you need some Jesus time? Um, Because we can kind of recognize that in each other, and so we've given each other permission to say that. I have to say I'm not much of a napper, so usually it just means I need Jesus. And he usually needs a nap. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So Psalms 127.2 says, He provides for his beloved even while they sleep. Somebody needs to write that down and post it in their, on their mirror tonight. When I was, when I was um, preparing this, I just felt like someone was like, wow, I need that scripture. That he provides for his beloved even while they sleep. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. We get joy in his presence. So one way to measure if the Spirit is working in your life is joy. I love this, um, that joy is the energy of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But what about those moments when you can't shake it? What about those moments when you go to sleep and you're troubled and you wake up and you're still troubled? Or you can't sleep at all. Like, you haven't even gone to sleep because you're wrestling and you're weighed down, you're worried, you're so troubled. You know, I received some news recently about someone that troubled me. I felt so troubled. I began to feel stressed inside. I even felt some anxiousness, like some anxiety-type stuff. And I was just fretting and getting worried and concerned and, and overwhelmed by it all. And I thought, you know, I haven't felt that in a long time, and I really don't like it. This is not fun. I don't really want to feel this way. And so I finally recognized that I needed to get alone with God. I needed to talk to him about it. And so I took that time. I got alone with him. I got in his presence until it lifted, and it did. And guess what? The circumstances still haven't changed, but I have fullness of joy, fullness of joy. So I have to ask you today, when things are hard, when things aren't going your way, what is your first go-to? What do you lean towards for comfort? You know, if you're not experiencing joy as a believer, there's probably a blockage somewhere. There's something that's preventing you from having that fullness of joy. And I just want to encourage you this morning to ask the Holy Spirit what it is. And he will show you. He will show you what it is that's blocking you from receiving that joy. He wants to remove it so that joy can flow freely through you. You know, there are many things that can be joy blockers in our life. Unforgiveness is a big one. Huge joy blocker. So is disobedience, self-pity, shame, sin. 
any number of issues, placing something before God, turning to something other than Jesus. You know, if, if you're popping a pill to make yourself feel better constantly, if you're relying on that, if you're drinking that alcohol every night to take the edge off, I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit take the edge off. Get alone with Jesus because that is where you're gonna find true fulfillment, true joy. Those other things are temporary, they're superficial, they're not lasting, definitely not eternal. And that's the beauty of being in his presence. When we get in his presence, he shows us those joy blockers and being vulnerable in his presence will do that. So I wanna invite you to begin your joy, your own joy ride today. Um, it requires vulnerability, it requires obedience, and it is so renewable in his presence. So while we're in his presence this morning, I thought it would be the perfect time for us to ask for his fullness of joy. You know, some of us may need to repent. You know, that's okay. Like, we have to get better at doing that. You know, I think sometimes we think, oh, I've accepted Jesus into my heart and life, I'm good. No, sometimes... As believers, we've got to get some things right. We got to fix some things so that we can have fullness of joy. That's why there's Christians walking around grumpy, grouchy Christians. I think there's nothing worse than a grumpy, grouchy Christian. Give me an unbeliever all day long over a grumpy, grouchy Christian. You know, they do less damage to the Lord's work than a grumpy, grouchy Christian, right? So I just want to ask you this morning, if you are wanting to experience a higher level of joy in your life, would you raise your hand? Because I just want to, I want to pray over you. I'm going to raise mine. I always want more joy, more joy. Father, we just thank you, God, for your sweet presence in here, God. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to have your way in our hearts, Father. Have your way in our hearts. God, we vulnerably come to you this morning and we ask you to reveal any joy blockers in our life, God. Lord, if there are things that we need to repent of, Father, we just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would show us. Father, show us what we need to repent of. Father, fill us with your truth, with your love. God, we just ask that you would... Um, Fill us with your fullness, Father, as we spend time in your presence today, as we spend time in your presence this week, Father. Fill us to overflowing so that we step out in faith and we risk being vulnerable for your kingdom, God. We thank you for all these things, Jesus. In Jesus' name.